0: Thanks for joining me. All right. So welcome back to the lifestyle chase. We are piloting a new way of doing interviews. So this interview is going to be broken up into several pieces. And so you might find that there are different episodes in Spotify or YouTube or wherever you check out the show. Um, if you enjoy it, keep going. Keep looking for the uh, follow-up episodes. But without further ado, I bring to you for the first time Andrew Hallam. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing really well. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for the invitation to uh, to join you on the podcast.
0: For sure. Um, a lot of my audience is uh, fitness professionals. Um, Fitness enthusiasts, I got some people who are business owners, so they may not have heard of you before. And if that is the case, how do you introduce yourself to new people generally?
1: <laughs> well, I let's see, here we um I, I was born in England and I grew up in Canada. So I was raised in Canada and it was on the West Coast, a place called Victoria, British Columbia. And I wanted to be a teacher. So I ended up getting a like a double major in high school English and high school uh, pers- uh, sorry, high school uh, physical education. So p e uh, and English were the two subjects that I wanted to teach. And I ended up being very fortunate early on. When I was paying for my college education, I had a part-time job at a bus depot. And one of the mechanics there said to me, if if there's a particular mechanic, and his name is Russ, and if he ever wants to talk to you about money, make sure you listen to him. And I was 19 years old and cocky, and I said, well, why would I listen to this guy? And he said, well, he's a self-made millionaire, and he he knows a lot about about personal finance and, uh, and you don't learn this stuff in school. So if you ever get a chance, listen to what he tells you. So one day the guy sat me down and started talking to me about investing money for my future. And I'm 19, so he might as well have been talking Greek, but he laid some things out that really inspired me by saying, you know, I could end up saving less than most other people over my lifetime and end up with more money giving me opportunities that so many other people don't have. And I don't have to make a fortune during that time period. So my, my job, I could be a teacher, not necessarily make a lot of money, but just through being smart about where I put my money and my choices, I could end up uh, growing relatively wealthy at a relatively young age. So this was really inspiring for me. I started writing, I started reading a lot about investing Uh, I eventually became a teacher. So I was teaching high school English and I was learning so much that I wanted to share it. So I was writing articles for finance magazines and for newspapers. And after, I think I was in my mid thirties by the time I had read about 400 personal finance books and just reams of studies and coming to this conclusion that it's incredibly simple. That, that the industry tries to make it really complicated. but to give you an idea, I spend less than 10 minutes a year thinking about my investments. And a lot of people think you have to follow the stock market and follow trends and interest rates. And, and that isn't true. So 10 minutes a year by you know, thinking about investing, allowing that to, to do its thing, which gives me a lot more free time to do the things that I want to do. So I'm also an exercise enthusiast. So I much rather spend time like riding my bike or in the gym or you know, going for a run, hiking a mountain than spend time actually thinking about money. So I started to eventually give finance talks. So beyond just the writing, I began giving and delivering financial education talks to people around the world. And that picked up, I I wrote a book. I guess what really helped there was I wrote a book uh, called Millionaire Teacher, which became an international bestseller and then fell into the speaking gig uh, more or less by accident. People were asking me if I would give these talks. And so so pre-COVID, I was giving these talks around the world. Typically I'd be speaking in 13 or 14 different countries a year perhaps as many as between 40 and 90 different talks. And that's what what my wife and I have really been doing for the last seven years. We we did move to Singapore in 2003. I took a a year off, uh, a deferred salary leave for my job in Canada, my teaching job. Took a year off, traveled, got a job teaching uh, at an American school in Singapore. And then in 2014, we thought we'd take one year off and one year's turned to eight. Uh, and during that time frame, I've been still continuing to do the writing, uh, continuing to do the speaking. So it's been a lot of fun. You asked me initially, like, what brought you to Panama, which is where we are right now? And and I said, it's the sun. We're, we're afraid of winter. We like to go. We'll visit a winter. We'll do some skiing. And then uh, we like to get out of Dodge. We're kind of wimps. We love uh, We love warm weather.
0: Well, I mean, I was doing some research prepping for this episode and it kind of sounded like the the pandemic had you back in Canada for a little bit. Um, what were the impacts that uh, this past couple of years have had on you with regards to uh, the global pandemic?
1: You know, we were lucky um,
0: because at the beginning
1: of 2020, uh, my wife and I were cycling around Costa Rica. We have a tandem and we got some panniers on it and we th- we said, let's spend like six weeks cycling around the entire country, which is awesome. Like I highly recommend it. It has so much incredible variety. And of course then, you know, Corona was was just a beer. I mean, no one knew anything about it. There were some articles that were popping up in China, you know, something was happening over there, uh, nothing that we were overtly concerned with. And then we flew to Canada for what was going to be a 12-day visit. And as luck would have it, You know, we ended up flying to stay with my or to, you know, to see my family for about 12 days. And then we were going to fly off to Kiev, Ukraine. I'd never been there before, but I was booked to give some finance talks there. And then we had an an Airbnb booked in Cyprus for a few months after that. And we were going to spend the rest of the year in the south of France. And obviously, COVID hit and we were stuck in Victoria, British Columbia, but, as you know as I mentioned, we were so lucky on a couple of different accounts. One is that uh, they did do a really good job with COVID and in Victoria. So you know people followed the rules, and medical system was doing a really good job taking care of people, so that was awesome. Um, it was one of those things where we actually had purchased we purchased a condominium there. A few years before, and we left it vacant. And a lot of friends of mine said, "Well, that's insane! Like you're not, you know, you're not renting it out. And you know, you're supposed to be this money guy, and you've got this condo, and you're not, you know, you just leave it there, and you're paying property tax, and you're paying HOA HOA fees." And we did just leave it. Uh, and one of the reasons was that you know there's a lot more to life, Chris, than money, and you know when we first bought that place, we got it like a T graph and we put down reasons to rent it and reasons not to rent it. And there were loads of reasons not to rent it. Like because we're globally nomadic, anytime we wanted to come, we'd have our own place. We'd have our own furnishings. Um, Nobody would be wrecking them. There would be like cigarette butt stains in them from possibly some renters or renters guests stains in the carpet from, you know, tip bottle of wine there are all kinds of reasons to keep it vacant for us. And there was only one reason to rent it. And that one reason was money. And and me, I'm a lifestyle guy. So for me, I recognize, to me anyway, how much is enough for me? And we realized that that extra money would not really augment our lives. It wouldn't make our lives any better. And so it was awesome just having it there. So we were able to move in. You know, the world shut down. Uh, and I started giving a lot of talks on Zoom. So the, the, the speaking that I previously was doing you know, live ended up uh, being done online. So that was interesting. You know, I mean, the whole world went through this rapid technological growth phase where we all started communicating like that. So, yeah, I, my life uh, was, was swept up in that as well.
0: So amidst everything that you kind of went through, and I imagine there was endless pivots and some things that weren't necessarily convenient. What is one thing that uh, you changed about how you do things that you will maintain as we kind of go back to more of a, a traveling lifestyle where restrictions are, are lessened?
1: You know, I, I think, I think the zoom things are here to stay So all of my talks were done in person. And I have a feeling, Chris, that as the world starts to slowly open up, there will be a shift where I'll go back to doing some live events. But I don't think those Zoom events will be going away anytime soon at all, actually. And and it's the same, much the same for people who are working instead of in the office. They're working at home. They were doing it by Zoom that was totally new and i think we're going to have a bit of a hybrid where it won't be long before yeah people are going back to the office sure but a lot of people are going to be staying at home or mixing it up a little bit maybe going to the office a couple of times a week and then doing a lot more at home so yeah i think my my life example here is probably just very typical of what many of your listeners are hearing this and going yeah you know i can actually see that I can see that happen. I've got some friends who are into physical training and they're there. Some of them are doing it via, you know, online connections, which they never did before either.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I would have to agree. There's a lot of things that have changed for the better, um, made things almost more efficient for us. I know for myself, my career has completely changed in the sense that it's more of a hybrid approach where I'm in multiple industries. I'm online, I'm in person, Because it's just, it uh, puts us in a position to um, protect our uh, financial security and uh, gives us more of a balanced life. Um, We're going to draw this segment to a close. So any listeners that are uh, kind of engaged and want to continue listening, check out the next episode. Um, And without further ado, we will end this segment.